My name's Tom Jennings and this is the 24 Frames Cast. And this episode is kind of like a filler episode, really. Um, I am in the process of doing another 70mm episode and it is taking a long time to finish. Um, it's going to be, I think, pushing about four hours once it's it's done. So I'm, I'm busy editing away that, but I was consciously aware of the fact that I didn't want to kind of keep to a more regular show output. So um, I've just decided to do a quick episode on the TV series that I've just watched, The Mayor of Easttown. Now, in an age whereby I've got God knows how many monthly subscriptions, I have bizarrely in the past few years largely slowed down on my TV binge watching, which is strange. I have Netflix, Sky, Amazon. Um, I did briefly trial Apple TV, which I really wasn't that impressed with at all. Um, its flagship, flagship show was um, For All Mankind. And, I lasted three episodes before I, I had to kind of check out on that. But yeah, we've had Disney Plus come along, and I've, I did a review of, a few months ago of um, the, the series on that, the right stuff. But there is so much content now to wade through that I, I tend to have a personality whereby if people go on about things too much to me, or I, I feel like I'm being pushed into a direction, the kind of shutters come down, and I just sort of just revert back to sort of either watching things I've watched before, like I'm going back through The Shield again, which is even better, I think, on, on, on second viewing. But I've enjoyed shows recently, things like Westworld I've quite liked. I, I, I really do enjoy Outlander too, which is kind of daft and, and silly, but I, I, I straight, finds it kind of like guilty pleasure viewing. Um, Drive to Survive on Netflix was a, a, a documentary series which has really made me interested in Formula One racing. And of course there was Game of Thrones, which uh, I suppose the less said about that last season, the better. But of course, lockdown has brought with it, obviously, the closure of cinemas. And I mean, I, during those moments where the cinemas were briefly opened, um, there really wasn't that much to go. And I think everyone really has, if you kind of believe what the kind of data and all that kind of thing, people were justifiably just sat at home watching a lot of the television. And recently, something that did catch my attention was Mayor of Easttown on Sky. Now, naturally, everyone started going on about it, which obviously meant that I didn't want to watch it. But, and one of the reasons for this is it's on Sky and I've got a Sonos sound beam. And anyone who's got Sky Q will know there is a terrible lip sync issue sometimes between Sky and soundbar. I think I don't think it's exclusive to Sonos, but I could not for the life of me work out how to fix this this issue. And then I actually found on the television a setting which I could change, and that that actually synced it up. So I was able to kind of enjoy television watching it on Sky without getting annoyed by everything being just ever so slightly out of sync. And it, as you, I'm sure you all know, when anything's even half a second out, it, it's so frustrating to watch. It does take you out of it because you're constantly aware of it. So I decided, once I'd fixed this issue, I was then able to kind of enjoy things free of becoming enraged that um, in all the, the fact that I can have surround sound wirelessly broadcast around my living room, but I can't actually watch people speak in time. And Mary Soundstruck Me is a very modern TV series in the fact that it is effectively a seven, eight hour film. And it does have TV tropes, like it's divided into chapters and it does, and we do have kind of like the cliffhanger between episodes, but for all it's said and done, this is effectively a film. And 
it's a film that's been given a bunch of episodes to breathe and all of the episodes have been written by Craig Zobel and directed by Brad Inglesby and there is a continuity I think a visual continuity and a look and feel and a tone to the series which sometimes when you watch kind of episodes of Breaking Bad for example you can tell that they've been directed by someone else and obviously they bring in kind of a, a different kind of writers for episodes but this feels like a singular vision and starring Kate Winslet in what I personally believe this is probably the most her, her finest work I've seen today I've not seen all of her films but of everything I have seen I would say as of now Mayor of Town is the best role and the best performances I've ever seen her have and it takes part in the titular East Town which is a suburb of Philadelphia Winslet plays a local detective called Mare, and when a young mother is found murdered, she's assigned the case. The locals have their doubts about her skills to solve it, however. Another girl of a similar age with a young child went missing the year before, and no progress has been made on the case. On top of her own issues, her divorced husband is getting married, her teenage lesbian daughter is having relationship problems, her son has committed suicide, and she's battling to get custody of her grandson, who she currently cares for, but her son's ex-addict girlfriend is trying to be reunited through the courts with the child. She she also lives with her mother, whom she fights with over everything, and whose mothering style could best be described as tough love. Although it might seem like a murder mystery, but mostly it is a character study in grief, motherhood, regret, and the reality of being a middle-aged woman in the modern world. And if that doesn't sound much like fun, then, well, you are very much mistaken because, because Mare is written in a way that you're not supposed to love her all the time. She can be rude, annoying, funny, but ultimately relatable as she goes about juggling her various responsibilities. It is, and it's in these moments where the series truly shines. And now I, I will return to these other elements, but first I just want to kind of talk a little bit more about the ongoing whodunit that runs through the story. I don't think it's unfair to say that the series is hardly groundbreaking when it comes to this side of things. The young mother that has been murdered, Erin, leaves her child, Dylan Jr., in the care of the child's father, Dylan, whose new girlfriend, Brianna, hates Erin, and she beats her in the first episode, and Dylan Sr. is the prime suspect. And on top of that, Dylan Sr. is originally Mayor's prime suspect, but on top of that, we have Deacon Burton, Now, Burton gave Erin a lift to the woods the night she was killed and disposed of her bike by throwing it off a bridge when he found out she had been murdered. Oh, and he had to leave his old parish due to allegations of sexual misconduct with a girl roughly the same age as Erin. Erin's father, Kenny, blames Dylan, decides to take matters in his own hands by kidnapping and shooting him dead. Only he misses instead and puts Dylan in hospital. Then comes another revelation. Dylan isn't actually Dylan Jr.'s father, and Erin was actually working as a prostitute to raise funds for an operation for the child. Meanwhile, other girls have gone missing, who are also working as prostitutes, which comes back to another missing girl, Katie Bailey, whose case Mare is yet to solve. Katie's mother Dawn can scarcely look at Mare, feeling she's not working hard enough, and when Detective Colin Zabel is brought in to help Mare, they begin to suspect that all the cases are interlinked. Now what is striking about the storyline is, is that how writer Craig Zobel doesn't even really try to hide the fact that what he's essentially doing is throwing enough clues around to keep you guessing because he knows that by prolonging the solving of the case, it lets us deal with the real meat of the story, i.e. Mare getting her life in order. It was so obvious that the, the suspect we were being shepherded towards wasn't the actual killer that I found myself kind of going along with it 
as a kind of appeasement, almost as if I was pretending that the narrative sleight of hand had really gotten to me, and I really was shocked at some of the revelations that come forwards. Dinosini, for example, Mayor's prime suspects, becomes so cartoonishly vile that were it to be him, we would almost likely laugh at how obvious it would be. However, like most characters in the show, as I'll explain later, his motivations are kept from us until the show's conclusions, which in large part explain, if not entirely convinced, that his motives have a whiff of decency about them. And Sobel packs the early episodes with all these various narrative threads to keep you guessing, a seed that Katie, Dawn's daughter, may be still alive, what darkness is the priest hiding, who was where and when. Amongst all of this, Mare regularly confides in a seeming ocean of calm that is Laurie, her best friend, whose husband John has had to leave the house for reigniting an affair with a local woman. Now I have a confession to make. With all what was going on, in the first few episodes, I did begin to drift from the series. I was beginning to wonder what really everyone was raging about, but with the investment in time, the core of the show became clearer to me. And Mare of Town works because of Mare. She is just one of those characters with whom you just want to be around, to spend time in their world and go through their ups and downs with them. Winsett's performance to me is no perfect. You could describe the show in some regards as a modern neo-noir, with Mare the kind of grizzled detective trying to solve the case. She doesn't smoke cigarettes, she vapes. She doesn't walk around the gorgeous lit streets pondering on who's done it. Instead, this is replaced with her juggling motherhood, her job, the early stages of a relationship with a writer called Richard, played by Guy Pearce, as well as being in a state of near panic that her grandson will inherit his father's mental illness. At the end of most days, her first port of call is the fridge for a beer, a few spiky remarks with mother, and a seeming never-ending of serious to jobs to do in her private life. And Winslet has aged, and Mare is a dowdy dresser, jeans and baggy jumpers, yet in moments of occasional respite from it all, Winslet, the movie star, emerges for date nights, looking every bit as stunning and beautiful as she is. And so often when you have established stars in role like this, I sometimes struggle to separate star from role, and not so here. This series is filled with small moments that cemented my view that Mare is a real person in my head. Some of the things she does do little for the pot, but they let you into her mind and her world, and breaking down that invisible barrier that I sometimes find prevents me from truly engaging with characters. And in fact, when we do the 70mm um, episode, I, I talk at, at length actually about, in one film in particular, about, about that. And above all, the show lets you see why people don't like her. She arrests someone in a family restaurant that they work in just to make that person feel bad and to make a point of doing it. She even at one stage makes her ex-husband take a DNA test to prove that she was not, he was not the father of Dylan Jr. And you're not quite sure if he's done it. And you're not quite sure whether she's just done it to fuck up his relationship with his new fiance. The show does depart from plausibility on occasions. For example, the lengths Mare will go to to keep her grandson from being reunited with her mother. She actually plants evidence on the child's mother, hoping that she'll be caught and therefore unable to gain custody of the child. And she ends up being suspended by the police, who eventually give her job back. And I think it tests the bounds of believability that a cop who plants heroin on, effectively, their daughter-in-law 
would ever be trusted in a police department again not to say the avalanche of cases that would come in for wrongful conviction but this is fiction and we can kind of go with it but mayor needs her work it is the shield from that she has from confronting the suicide of her son the grief and the guilt that she has are always there gnawing away at her hurting her every day and it's this exploration of grief where i think mayor Town is a t- articulate and thought-provoking Everyone in Mare's family is haunted by the death. Daughter Siobhan wants to talk about it, but her mother doesn't. So as a school project, she makes a film about her brother that Mare clandestinely watches every now and then. Mare can't confront what happened. One of the conditions of her suspension is also that she attends counselling. And these earnest counselling scenes in the series of films can often be lazy ways for screenwriters to get it all out of their characters. Not so here. Mare is a willing participant participant she wants to get better to be better but she simply doesn't know how her work is a band-aid a form of escapee a form of escapism even if it is an escape to the darker recesses of what is happening in her community the heart of the film really is mare coming to terms with her son's death her therapy sessions reveal that she had to cut him down from a beam in the loft leaving her unable to go up into it sealing it off in a way so it's out of sight and out of her mind and it's a rather obvious metaphor but I don't think necessity I don't think necessarily Mayor of Easttown really cares and neither did I to be honest with you I found these scenes to be profoundly touching and so well written and acted that I simply went along with them what I didn't like about this series though is how the show depicts its community there is an undeniable dreariness to this place and it's a working class community and of course this means the usual tropes of depicting such a place abusive fathers prostitution drug addiction infidelity now writer craig zable did live in the area but these characters feel like a ragtag assemble of all the typical working class cliches when depicted in film and television and many critics have commented on the show's realism in this regard and i do not agree it's a wonder i i, I wonder if you when you watch this, this series if anyone in the, in the series has ever had a reason to be cheerful or in fact laugh and it's one of my major gripes when people just throw misery on screen and then critics go well this is reality and they call it gritty and it's just so frustrating um because i I just think invariably kind of writers and directors of tv series tend to be mid upper middle class people and i i wonder how much of how much actual time they've spent in these places but again but that's not to kind of dismiss all of this i think the film i think the series does sorry but that's not to dismiss all this because i think there are of nuggets in there which are worth looking at because I think it, it, the series does touch on one of the pertinent stories and indeed one of the, a, a scandal that has really re- wreaked havoc across America. Um, I recently watched an Alex Gibney documentary series called The Crime of the Century and it was a frankly terrifying look at the opioid epidemic in America and it's here in Mayor of Easttown. Drugs such as heroin are often the co-conspirators in all manner of social problems and as Gibney's film showed America has been really huge swathes of society have been ravaged by addictions from opioids which invariably leads to people taking heroin and it's uh, some of the working class communities of America that have been hit the hardest because of this but 
and one of the, the various subplots does deal with a, a heroin addict and to me i think it was a it, it was it might have been a plot line too far until it led to the kind of the inevitable awful conclusion but the other misstep I think the series made was with daughter Siobhan, her romances with her kind of college girlfriends were straight out of the Dawson's Creek, culminating in a rather familiar melodrama of what college to pick, and invariably it's the one that's furthest away that's going to cause the most heartache. But, you know, aside from these graps, I did really, I, I loved this show, and it, it looks beautiful despite its suburban setting. Um, it's incredibly cinematic, and when people kind of talk about the cinematic experience, I think it's apparent, I think, Brayston Ellis has touched on this before in his podcast. Well, it's a, it's alive and well, just it's, it's on television and not the big screen. I think at times as well, it does embrace a style that kind of reminded me of David Finch's work, you know, dimly lit corridors and this kind of modern urban decay hiding scary men with dark secrets coming alive in the shadows to stalk their prey. And the fact the show, I think, managed to embrace the darkness like this and then to be tonally able to go from kind of almost like Seven-esque kind of set pieces to squabbling domestic scene, just how, show just how comfortable Mayor of Easttown was with juggling so many shifting narratives and styles. And towards the end of the series, Zobel used the old technique of apparently ending the story with a fair amount of time to spare. And again, to go back to something like Seven, we all know, you know, how a false ending works when we have Kevin Spacey who we assume that we're watching this buddy cop series and these two are going to kind of put their differences aside and solve the case. And with a quarter of the film to go, the, 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 the main suspect walks in and gives himself up and you're like, well, what the hell is going to happen now? The, this kind of this, this use of these fake endings and its kind of subsequent conclusion did again, I think, push the plausibility factor a little too far. But I was so invested in these characters, I was just happy to go with it. And I think the emotional payoff of all these various threads really worked for me because everyone in the series is in their own way trying to do the right thing. Dylan is trying to minimise the emotional damage for his parents who are invariably going to lose their grandson and fathers are trying to protect children, brothers are trying to help brothers and everyone is desperately battling against the world that has been thrown into such chaos. Of course, however, I think the show will mostly be remembered for Kate Winslet's performance and it deserves to be. This could have been a film, in the miniseries format, she gets the canvas to really delve deep into there. Her character does change from the beginning to the end, but it's a subtle change. It's little things. It gives you nuggets that her life is gonna get on track. But it's a collaborative effort. The writing and the directing and her co-stars all help Winslet get into this character. The way she plays off them, the dialogue, the direction, all combine, I think, to make one of the most iconic small screen characters in recent memory. At this point in time, I'm not sure whether or not it's going to get a second series. And if it doesn't, I think that's fine, because I think it's pretty great as a standalone sequel. And in truth, when everything has to have a prequel or a sequel or a franchise, and I kind of like the idea that perhaps television might be a place where shows like this can just come and go and leave on their own terms and just be what they are. But time will tell. So that's going to be it for this episode. Um, I will try and get rid of this 70mm uh, um, editing as, as fast as I can. If I feel like it's dragging on again, I'll probably do another short episode just to kind of keep things fresh. So many thanks for listening. Um, there will be another Master of Cinema cast posting very soon as well. Um, so if you want to get in contact with me, it's 24framescast at gmail.com. 
Um, I'm on Twitter at 24FramesCast. You can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm the Tom Jennings wearing a, um, a, a massive green coat pretending to be a football hooligan. I don't know why. Um, it was funny at the time. But anyway, many thanks for listening and I'll be in contact soon. Bye.